Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. And welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host and founder of Alzheimer Speaks, Lori LeBay. <clears throat> and Alzheimer Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And at our core, we believe collaboratively we can win this battle against dementia. We know we're all making a difference, and one of the things that was so exciting to me was getting recognized by Share Care and Dr. Oz as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's. And again, I have to thank each and every one of you for helping us become that because we did not do that alone. That is what the power of one can do with shares and likes and tweaks, tweets and emails and embedding um, the episodes and sharing all of our platforms with your friends and colleagues um, that are in need of more information and being connected in the world of memory loss. So again, I just want to thank all of you for your support. It's very, very exciting. This year, um, with uh, Alzheimer's Speaks, we've launched a couple of new programs. One is Dementia Chats, which is a webinar series where I interview the experts, those living with dementia. So if you have not heard about those, you're definitely going to want to check those out. We do those twice a month on the second and fourth Tuesday. And if you just go to alzheimerspeaks.com, you'll find information about how to access those. Those are all free. And then in 2013, um, I just recently rolled out and launched Dementia-Friendly Businesses and Communities, which harnesses education, awareness, and um, basically improved service delivery as well as branding of companies and communities. And our goal is to utilize all the resources that I've developed um, so that we can give voice to those afflicted with memory loss as well as their care partners and advocates supporting this cause because together we can give hope. No longer can we be a world driven by fear, and together we can teach people how to live with this disease and not at it as it. Um, and I would love for you to join us. All you have to do is go to our main website, alzheimerspeaks.com, and you will find plenty of information there. And feel free to reach out and contact me if you think you might be appropriate to be a guest on our show. We'd love to hear from you. Our channel expert, Rick Phelps, who also has uh, early onset Alzheimer's disease known as EOAD, um, will not be with us on the show today. He is uh, traveling. But Rick was diagnosed in uh, 2010, and he's the founder of Memory People on Facebook, which is a wonderful support group 
For those with early memory loss, their care partners, as well as business professionals and advocates. There is no pitching or selling on that site. It's just true sharing of, of information and building a community. If you're listening to the show today, you will be able to participate um, either by using the chat box if you signed in using Facebook, or you can always call in live. <clears throat> and that number is 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. And all you have to do is push one, and when there's a break, I will pull you into the show. So let's go ahead and get started with today's show because it's it's quite exciting. Um, I'm thrilled to death uh, to ha- to have the honor of having our first guest with us, who is Dr. Bill Thomas. And um, Bill is renowned in the industry of aging. And I had to giggle when I was putting this show together today because it was almost two years ago to the day that Bill had interviewed me on dementia for person-centered care and the ego on the Pickering Report um, for Real Care TV Now. And so I just thought how ironic um, the timing was. For those of you that are not familiar with Dr. Thomas, um, he is an international authority on geriatric medicine and elder care. He's a graduate of Harvard Medical School, and he went on to graduate in um, medical training at the Highland Hospital University of Rochester Family Medicine uh, for his residency. Uh, He has just done such significant work. Um, He's very well known for developing the Eden Alternative, and that um, if you talk to anybody in long-term care or elder care, uh, they know him from that. He has also rolled out with Changing Aging, which is an absolutely magnificent group. I highly encourage people to join if you haven't uh, already because you will you will really hear the latest and the greatest breaking information regarding elder care there. Um, what else can I say? I could go on and on about Dr. Thomas and his his sincere desire to really make a difference in this world in terms of shifting culture. He has just this true heart and wonderful insight of how to develop and create this person-centered care and bond that is changing lives all over the world. He has won multiple awards and been recognized on so many levels, and he's written uh, several different books uh, but I'm not going to get into all of that. You can always Google him and do more research if you'd like. I'd rather have you listen um, and kind of hear uh, some of his words of wisdom uh, today as he shares shares some information with us. So, so welcome, Dr. Thomas. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be with you. Well, thanks so much for taking the time out to uh, to join us today. Uh, today our topic is about the dementia building community and engagement. And you have a a saying, you know, and a phrase that you use called uh, eldertopia, uh-huh. and uh, which I think is just a, a lovely a lovely word. And can you explain to our group what that means? Well, you know, we live in a society and in a time when we are very prone to think of things in individual terms 
Um, but in fact, human beings um, are have been made unique on the face of the earth by doing something really no other creature has ever really done, uh, and that is to create a three-generation social structure. Um, you know, among other mammals, there's the pattern of uh, rearing the young, and then the young go off on their own, and, and that's it. And we have actually done something that's pretty incredible. We've made a virtue out of aging, and we find that virtue in the form of grandparents and elders who help uh, younger people understand the world uh, in some better and different ways. So the concept of Eldertopia uh, is just about striking back against the ageist attitude that says old age is a time of decline and it's something bad and saying, Actually, old age is a really valuable asset. And if we really take care to think about aging differently, it can lead us to a better society and a better way of living. So that's Eldertopia in a, in a nutshell. Well, and we, we need a better world. That's for sure. We are we are pretty much a mess. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, it's interesting. The uh, You know, we, we, we live in a world that's being run by adults without elder supervision. And uh, we we really benefit from having the voices of elders be better heard and more appreciated. Oh, that's a really interesting way to look at it, yeah, without supervision. And and everybody needs that supervision. Yeah, um, and especially that, adults. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the wisdom of those that are wiser um, and who have learned more. And it's, it's kind of sad in our society that... <clears throat> that we shun away from that and um, think that we've arrived and we know it all. <laughs> I know it goes against my personal uh, mantra of uh, it's about progress, not perfection. You know, oh, just yeah. knowing that you can always do better next day because I think perfection or thinking that we have it figured out um, really stagnates us and, and doesn't oh. allow us to really see the true picture at hand. Well, and I'd actually, if I could build on what you're saying about perfection, I think a lot of the cause of that is in thinking that that somehow youth is perfect. Mm -hmm. Our culture and, you know, the magazine rack and the television and, uh, you know, the media and, you know, popular attitudes all reinforce the idea that youth is superior to age. And you never see in advertising advertisement for a facial cream that will make you look 10 years older in just two weeks. Um, we, we believe that youth is somehow possessed of perfection when uh, actually that's objectively not true. And um, age has many advantages which our culture does not recognize. Very true. Very true. What do you think of... Um you know, you talked about how how elders are viewed in terms of advertising. What do you think about dementia and the perception of dementia out in in the world today? Well, I, actually, I'd start first, if I, if you don't mind, with uh, um, the Super Bowl. And uh, I don't know uh, if you were watching, uh, or maybe you were watching the Puppy Bowl. I don't know. I think I may <laughs> watch the Puppy Bowl next year. Um, but the Super Bowl had an advertisement on by Taco Bell. Uh, that basically showed older people um, rejecting the limitations that were being placed on them and kind of going out and getting tattoos and eating junk food and yelling at cops and 
<laughs> acting in a very uh, what you would think would be a very uh, what our society would say would be a very unusual and strange way. And uh, initially, when I saw that ad, I, I kind of thought, well, that's ageist. You know, they're they're in essence mocking older people. And then, as I thought about it again, I realized, wait a minute, they're they're actually making fun of ageist stereotypes. And that's something I like. I, I think we have a need for mockery of ageist stereotypes, and that making fun of those stereotypes is one of the best ways to undermine them. So uh, as I kind of reexamined my feelings about this advertisement, I stumbled upon this concept uh, developed by uh, a gerontologist named Jenny Sasser, and it's called um, Geropunk. And the idea of Geropunk are uh, people who question and overturn the conventional wisdom or the conventional accepted ideas about aging. And um, I th- I have to say, Larry, I have you down in my book now as a Geropunk. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> what I think an important thing you contribute to the conversation and to our culture and our society is questioning attitudes about people living with dementia. You know, you you uh, on this program, there's no need to repeat the standard uh, prejudices about people with living with dementia. We all know that, but I think you're advocating for a radical reinterpretation of that that says there's actually uh, complexity here, and there's worth here, and there's value, and there's meaning, and we need that. We really need a conversation that leads us into some of these new directions. Yeah, and there's beauty and there's fun. You know, it's okay to laugh. And uh, right. I think Bet- Betty White, I don't know if you've ever seen her kind of punking show that she does now. Yes, I have heard of it. I haven't seen oh it. Oh, my gosh. It's it sounds hoot. funny. It's very She's it's a Gerald very, Punk. Yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's just done a beautiful, beautiful job with that. And I, I think it's really true, that whole reexamining of you know, what's at the core of our relationships. And I think that's something that you do so nicely is get us to question, you know, what's this relationship about and and what really matters, um, you know, with that. So um, if you can comment for me on how you feel about human growth um, versus human life and the difference and, and how that um, might pertain to memory loss. Yeah. You know, my feeling, and, you know, as a physician and a a scientist, you know, is really that human beings are built for growth. Uh, The human body and the human mind is designed for growth. And that we used to think back, you know, in the past, we used to think the only people who could really grow were the ones who were really very fit mentally and physically. And that, for example, uh, a child living with Down syndrome couldn't grow. And so those children were placed in an institution where, guess what, they didn't grow. And we gradually, over the recent decades, we've had a dawning awareness that people can grow um, with and around a whole variety of different kinds of limitations, from uh, limited, you know, cognitive, emotional, physical, Spinal cord, I mean, there there are just many different ways that people with different kinds of abilities and limitations can grow. And I think this has been a great 
development for our culture and our society that we've been able to see growth in the context of uh, some kind of one kind of limitation or another. And with respect to dementia in particular, there's been a, a tremendous bias against people living with dementia, and especially in terms of the idea that people living with dementia can't grow. And what I'm seeing in terms of the research and practice and what people are saying and writing and doing is that there is immense opportunity for growth in the context of life with dementia, but that the growth has a different character, different nature, different features uh, to that seen in the lives of other people. And that's the challenge, is to help people see, recognize growth when it's right in front of them and to actually help people seek a growth-oriented approach to living with dementia. And I know you hang with some of the coolest people in America who are having that conversation and are pushing that point of view, and I'm I'm just adding my voice to the chorus as far as that goes. Yeah, I think one of the, you know, primary um, faults with, you know, why we don't see that is because it's so easy for us to lose our purpose. But once people find that purpose in a crisis situation, having a diagnosis like dementia or cancer mm-hmm. or any of that can, you know, can really be an opportunity to go, you know, what's really important to me? And how do I make this better for the next guy? And when, it, mm-hmm. and when we become bigger than ourselves and we want to give right. to help yeah. others, I mean, that's where I really see... Um, you know, in, in the world of dementia, just this powerhouse of untapped energy. And that's one of the things that um, Alzheimer's Speaks wants to do is tap that energy, tap that voice, and mm-hmm. and um, boost that power, you know, so it gets on the grid. And because they, they just are um, doing such cool things, they have such wonderful ideas, and we really need to listen. And and um, and take some awareness and um, and show some respect. Yeah, and, that, um, and, and, and that's a pattern that's well established um, uh, in social situations where people feel uh, or have been and feel that they have been uh, diminished or uh, set aside. It's really important to listen to those voices and hear those voices uh, and understand experience of people living with dementia you know my in my particular context you know i've been able to spend time with uh, many as a geriatrician many people living with dementia but you know what i've never lived with dementia and so there are things that people who are living with dementia know that i cannot and do not know based on the fact that I'm coming from a different experience, a different point of view. And I think, again, you know, one of the things you do so well is help us hear those voices. And uh, in doing so, I think it really enriches the conversation. Well, and it, you know, it helps me um, so much. I, I learn constantly. And I, I, you know, I think I go into the attitude that I don't have all the answers and I'm not afraid to say that I don't. Um, you know, I don't think that, you know, I'm not out there trying to say Alzheimer's Speaks has the answers or here's here's um, here's the golden key, which I think so many people want. I'm about mm. building a toolkit and saying right. how to use the tools, 
because yes. they apply to so much more than just dementia. <laughs> right. You know, one of the I'll tell you, uh, I've been in the field a while, and in uh, back in the days of the 1990s, which is now very, very, very long ago, um, there was a movement afoot to isolate people living with dementia into specific units, um, mm-hmm. you know, memory care units, et cetera. And a lot of research was done, and uh, one of the one of the things we discovered from all this research was that um, if you want to make good care for people living with dementia, everything that goes into good care for people living with dementia makes good care for everyone. (laughs) And uh, I think I would add to that, as time has gone on, good care for frail elders, the things that make for good care for frail elders, make for good care for everyone. So instead of looking at older people as, or older people living with dementia as exceptions that we have to do something different for, we ought to actually look at them as the rule that these people are giving us an opportunity to understand what makes good care for everybody. Oh, yeah. I I personally, I say this all the time, I think... Alzheimer's and dementia is here to teach us new ways to get us back to the basics because we have just Mm -hmm. fallen off the grid in so many ways in terms of connecting and socializing and and understanding the power of one, you know, Mm -hmm. of one glance, of one statement, of one Mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, when you have to live in the moment, Mm -hmm. it it really hones that back in with how valuable all of our communication is and and what a difference we can make. Um, but we can't make that difference if we don't value it ourselves, if we don't understand, you know, the importance of all those little little things that we're missing. So yeah, it's it's um it's a beautiful gift and it's just a, a wonderful way to be able to to learn how to live a better life. I'm gonna just tell the audience that if anyone has any questions for for Dr. Thomas, they can um, you know use the chat box, <clears throat> or they can call in at seven one four three six four four seven five seven. That's seven one four three six four four seven five seven. She's only going to be able to be with us probably another ten minutes here, so I want to make sure that people have an opportunity uh, to chat if they'd like to. I'd also like to uh, go down the road about, you know, when life just becomes so out of balance, which can happen <clears throat> very easily when someone's struggling with aging or illness. And how do how do you suggest people realign? Well, um, I mean, it's a lot of this has to do with um, the kind of idea that actually has been behind feminism, just to borrow uh, a point of view that um, we have to raise consciousness, that um, people carry around in their minds a lot of preconceived notions about what dementia is and what living with dementia is, and that um, raising our consciousness and understanding what is and isn't true about living with dementia can help us be more realistic and more effective and more compassionate and more ethical. So I'm uh, a big fan of consciousness raising as a technique. And again, you know, hearing the voices of people living with dementia is uh, a especially valuable way 
of raising consciousness, from my point of view. Yeah, our dementia chats has just been really powerful. I get notes from from doctors, support groups, families, um, and communities who are using them for training now, and um, because they're just shocked at the the honest, raw conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a major frog in my throat today. No problem. <laughs> yeah, get. I'll, I'll tell you what. While you get a glass of water, I'm mm-hmm. going to just say. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things to do that people who are listening, uh, if you want to do this, I think there are a number of really great memoirs out there um, that people can read where people have written of their accounts, their experience as caregivers, the experience of living with dementia, the experience of being a family member, and that these memoirs have a uh, really important educational uh, role to play for all of us uh, as we go forward. I think there's a whole literature developing around this. And someday, you know, you may go to the bookstore, if they still have bookstores, <laughs> and uh, you may uh, be able to uh, walk up to an entire shelf of books that give you, for example, uh, the Spanish-speaking Hispanic perspective on uh, living with dementia. And you may be able to find that uh, and learn from it. Wouldn't that be sweet? That would just, it would make it so I'd much it. easier. So mm. much easier for people. Yeah. Now, you're doing a lot in terms of transforming, you know, our healthcare system. Um, do you want to share with our audience what you're up to? And Well, uh, a few things, I, I guess I'd say. Um, I just finished, actually, you, you caught me this morning, uh, Lori, finishing the final touches on a new book. And uh, this book is called The Second Crucible, and it, it's really devoted to understanding the story of the post-war uh, baby boom generation from the point of view of age rather than from the point of view of youth, which is how it's usually understood. So um, I've been in really enjoying working on that project, and uh, that will probably be out this fall. If anybody out there is hankering for a novel uh, in which elders play a starring and heroic role. I have a book out that came out actually just about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, a book called Tribes of Eden, Tribes of Eden, and that's, you know, all the usual Amazon and all that. Tribes of Eden is a novel that sort of explores a, a vision of society where elderhood and elders are an important part of the fabric of society. And... Um, I think probably my next book, my next project, is really going to be dedicated to trying to reform the healthcare system so that what we know about aging and elderhood can be used to actually improve care for everybody, people of all ages, right down to the neonates. Well, that would be that would be wonderful because we definitely need a regrouping. <laughs> yeah, sure. we definitely do. You know, the healthcare system, We were t- as we've been chatting, and we were sort of chat- chatting mostly about society in general, but the healthcare system, oh, Lordy, the healthcare system has major blind spots when it comes to dealing with and being with and caring for people living with dementia and their families. We, we've got a lot of work to do there because there's some concentrated stereotyping and prejudice going on in the healthcare system. Yeah. One of the things with my um, dementia-friendly businesses and communities, I've 
I've mm-hmm. actually broken down businesses into four different categories. Because oh, everyone thinks, I'd love to hear this. Everyone thinks that it's just uh, health care, and it's mm-hmm. not because it affects mm-hmm. everybody. So the mm-hmm. four segments are uh, those with increased contact due to the diagnosis, you know, the the doctors, the social workers, the financial planners, all those people that can come into play. Then you have your um, businesses of of everyday use, your gas stations, your restaurants, mm-hmm. your banks, your community centers, things like that. Then you have your people of influence, your media, your mm-hmm. legislators, your federal, state, and county workers, your clergy. And then you have your businesses of comfort. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got your, your theaters and your workout centers and your sports arenas and your beauty salons, but everybody pretty much falls into that because even a normal everyday workplace is, you know, one of that everyday engagement. And businesses really have to start taking some responsibility and understanding, you know, what Mm -hmm. is going on in terms of their employees and Mm -hmm. the service that they're providing um, to their clientele. And I think most will be shocked. Yeah, this is everybody. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's involved. And you know, I know you covered the numbers many times on this program, but you know, this is a issue that is not going to just fade away into nothing. It's going to become more and more apparent uh, oh. that we need to make some changes. Yeah, definitely. I I I kind of giggle sometimes because people will argue with me. You know, my mom has had dementia for thirty years. So she started at my age in her mid-50s. She's 85. She's been in her uh-huh. own stages now for four. And people, I've actually had people argue with me, well, that can't be, you know. And it's like, well, just because you don't want it to be doesn't mean it can't be, right. <laughs> you know. Very true. And, and we just recognized it. It wasn't diagnosed mm-hmm. um, probably for 20 years, but still mm-hmm. 20 years is outside the scope that most think it, it uh, exists. And uh, you know, it's something that our family has had to had to deal with, and my mom has struggled with. Mm-hmm. And you know, I really think the only reason she's alive is because of the social environment that she has been connected. And you know, even in her end stages, though she doesn't connect like she used to, she's still there. You mm-hmm. know, she still is aware of us. We just have to look, you know, for those different signs and things. But I think she's just a She's just a trooper and a half, needless to say. Well, I want to be respectful of your time because it, it's uh, our 30 minutes is up, and I, I don't know if there's any anything more that you would like to share. We'd love to have you as long as you can stay, um, but it doesn't look like anyone's brave enough to ask any questions today. So, Well, uh, listen, I'll tell you, uh, I uh, really love your work, and I hope this won't be my last time on your show. Oh, we'd love to have you back. Absolutely love to have you back. And for people to reach out to you, is the best way to get a hold of you through your website, uh, changingaging.org. Yep, changing thanks so much, Lori. Really oh, appreciate. thank you. Thank you. You have a great day. Bye now. You bet. Well, what a fun, fun conversation with Dr. Bill Thomas. He is just one of uh, my favorite favorite people and just such a wonderful man doing such um, incredible work. Um, Very, very interesting, um, his perspective, and to see all of the things that he has accomplished uh, in his lifetime, and he's he's not about to quit now, which is even even more exciting. 
I'm going to pull in next uh, Harry Urban. Um, Harry is one of my experts living with dementia on on um, our Dementia Chats webinar series that I produce twice a month. And Harry has been on his journey with memory loss for quite a while now, and he has now found his voice as an advocate. And in this process, um, you know, of being diagnosed um, until today, you know, he's really learned how to um, accept this diagnosis as part of his life, not as him as a whole. And he's now harnessed this power um, on a social media platform, and he's created a support group called Forget Me Not, which I'm going to let him talk about. It started out as a secret group, and now it's a it's a, it's a closed group because it was too secret. People couldn't find it, so I'm going to let him talk about that. And he has also expanded now uh, into another group for the Spanish community. So, Harry, welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you, Larry. I'm I'm doing very good, and I'm I'm anxious to talk about Forget Me Not. Well, good, good. Can you can you tell us now? It's a closed group now, not a secret group. Is that correct on Facebook? Yes. When when uh, when we started up this group, I wanted it to be a secret group because I didn't want to be in competition with any other group, any other support group, uh, and uh, that that worked that worked so well for us. Now now that we're established. Um, there's more people that are looking to get to our site, and being a secret site, if you uh, if you did a search on uh, on Facebook, you would never see us. So we just didn't exist. And uh, I had a I had a lot of complaints from people that uh, they would like to join the group, but but they don't know how. So I had to I had to change that into a closed site. Now we still have the same security that we had that. Uh, only members can see posts and things things like that but but now I can offer a link that um people can go to and request to be into the site and then one of the administrators on the site will see that that request and they can add them to the site okay. and uh it makes it it makes it so much easier now for us about the only thing that changed with the site from being secret is People can now find this if they want. Okay, so if they go to Facebook, yeah, you have to be a member of Facebook um, in order to be part of the group, and then you would put in the search um, bar for "Get Me Not." Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And then it'll pop up, and you can ask to be part of the group. Yes. Now, it, I also have I also have a link on my own uh, on my own private wall, which is an open. It's an open forum page, and uh, I also have a link on that page that you can go just click on it and go uh, directly to the page and just add your name, and uh, someone will see that and add you to the group. Okay. And can you tell people, you know, who's part of the group? Who is the group built for? The, the group is... is is everywhere. I mean, it's 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 all over the place. We have we have uh, uh, Dr. Bill Thomas would love this site because we have members on there uh, that is telling their story, and um, it's 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 
detailed stories that they that they explain what their lives are, and it's it's really educational to read each individual stories. Plus, we're getting we're getting a lot of members now that that is uh, is from foreign countries that are posting their ideas and concepts of of dementia and uh, and support and awareness, and it's really interesting that um, uh, the the different you know whichever country you go to or talk to, we talk the same thing. We 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 have the same goals. That's why I um, I have this interest to to break down the language barrier of awareness and support, and that's why I started up the um, or offshoot site. Forget me not, but it's Spanish. Um, you have to forgive me. I I can't pronounce the name, but uh, it's 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 forget me not in Spanish. And again, that's a close site that you can go to, but it's it's Spanish language. Now, that site has members from from many many different Spanish countries, and they post links and stuff concerning dementia on that site. And it's so interesting. And what's interesting about that about that group too is um, it comes with a with a translate button. So if if you don't speak Spanish and and you're a member of that site and somebody posts a link and you want to know what it's about, you just you just press the translate button and it translates it into into English, Isn't that which amazing? is so convenient. So so whatever they Whatever somebody's commenting on, you can be part of that conversation by hitting the translate button. Now, the only problem is Facebook is working on it, and they tell me that uh, that there's going to be an application for it very soon. But there's no there's no translation for English into Spanish. Now, there's other programs that do that, but but it's not an online type thing. But it does translate it from Spanish into English. Okay. So what well, what what I'm what I'm trying to do is, is is establish a site that that the the language barrier is gone, no matter what language it is. If somebody comes on that uh, uh, is 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 French or whatever whatever different language, I I think it's I think they translate now into five different languages, but but Spanish is not one of them yet. But um, so it it it's going to be a site, a truly international site that anybody, any language can go to, and we can spread awareness on that site. Well, that's that's really interesting. I I know for me, just the whole change in terms of social media, being able to connect with people around the world, has made such a huge difference in terms of how I see things and the things that we can learn. Um, from those all over, because again, everyone's dealing with the same thing, but they're coming up with different ideas. I mean, you look at Norm's McNamara over in the UK, and you know the power behind him. Uh, you know, man with dementia, and uh, you know he is just changing how the UK is is dealing with their dementia care. It's just absolutely fabulous how the government and businesses have gotten behind you know their dementia friends program and. Um, it's incredible. Or, you know, or Barry, 
um, with his writing or you, I, I'm seeing people's voices um, raise and their comfort, you know, with living with this disease um, increase because, uh, you know, they're not feeling so isolated anymore. And same with what's, caregivers. What's so interesting about this, Lori, is is once you get to talking people outside of the United States in, in foreign countries, you, you begin to realize how behind we are in accepting dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we 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 talk to people from other countries that 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 they don't seem to have as big a stigma as we have here in the states about dementia. I mean, they're they're, they're more open about it, and uh, it, it's really interesting when you when you start talking to people outside of your own culture that how different things are. Yeah, because there really is a huge, a huge, huge variable um, in terms of, of how things go. I mean, over there, you know, the, the nurses go to the house so that people don't have to go into the clinic. And, I mean, just the whole structure is so is so different. Um, it's it's absolutely amazing. But then you see... Some of the the smaller countries, the poorer countries, how they're struggling just to get information or any type of of um, systems developed because they can't afford them, but they really need them because you know they're struggling just as much as the rest of us are. Um, but they might not have the technology or even um, you know even a basic place to go if it's a memory cafe or an association that's actually staffed, you know, able to be staffed. Um, you know, to help people in terms of counseling and direction and and so forth. It's it's very important. Um, and then you have all the <clears throat> the cultural differences in terms of how we deal with family and you know what expectations are. And um, there is a, there there is so many people out there that are, are just amazed that that uh, that we living with dementia can. Can talk about the disease. We can we can discuss what it's like um, because they have no idea what it's like, and nobody nobody in their culture talks about it. Mm-hmm. So they they see us as being the enlightened ones, and we see them as being the enlightened ones uh, yep. because uh, uh, we can we can open. But if 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 us living with dementia don't open up and talk about it, nobody's going to learn about it. Very true. Very, very true. Um, it's it's uh, it's just such a powerful resource, and you know, Facebook is is such a nice avenue because so many people are involved with it uh, and are feeling more comfortable, and it's multi generational, um, multicultural. Um, you know, there's just so many different aspects to it that allow people to connect and um, and really, really talk on different levels. So I know many people have, have gotten very close with those that they connect with and um, are able to, <clears throat> to meet in person um, or to talk by Skype, um, all different types of formats, um, or just talking on the phone. You know, depending on where where the connections are, what are um, what are some of your? I mean, you've talked about kind of your goals um, 
with this in terms of of connections. Can you talk about some of the things that you've you've heard from feedback, even though you have been up and running just a short short period of time, in terms of what people are feeling about this group? Because there's there's not very many of them out there, you know, where people can talk. And maybe we should define what a closed group is too, where it's closed within the community, and so. If you go to your homepage, you'll see the comments, but your friends can't see it. Is that correct? No, there's there's on on Facebook. There's basically three different types of groups. Um, one is an open or public group, and uh, my my own personal wall page is open because I want people. Well, an open site is anyone can see the group, who's in it, and what members post. So, in other words, on my open site, um, anything that's posted on that site, you do not have to be a member of my wall. Uh, you don't have to be a friend of mine. You could just go to Harry Urban on Facebook, and and you can see all my posts. Okay, that that's basically what an open uh, Dementia Chat is. Another good example of it. That's an open site that that anybody can see what anybody posts. Now there's a there's a closed site, and a closed site is anyone can see the group and see who's in it, but only members can see what's being posted. Now that's that's in, that's important for for privacy reasons. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's there's a lot of people that get onto a site and they and they uh, they feel comfortable enough to open up and talk about it, and uh, but but they don't want they don't want everybody else to hear what they're saying, so that that's that's good for that. And then there's a, there's a secret site that that is kind of you have to think of it as being non-existent. Uh, unless you're a member of that group, you don't even know it exists. Uh, you have to be a member to know who's in it, and you have to be a member to see what's being posted. Now that that's good. That's good. Like I I thought that was a good good path through my page uh just to eliminate any competition. You know, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to draw members from another group because we're all fighting for the same thing and that's awareness. And um I wanted to I wanted to get people into the group that 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 wanted to be in there and start getting a good foundation before I can open it up to to other people. And then then you have a choice. You know, some some groups are good. Uh, they they fit your needs, and and some groups don't. And I and I realize that that, that there's going to be many members that join my group and just find out it's not what they're looking for, and that's okay. You know, there's, but there's other there's other support groups out there that that might suit your needs. So if we can if we can advertise those groups, these people have a place to go to. And on on my site, it's like now I'm going to use an example and um, what what people do on on Forget Me Night uh, or Forget Me Night. If if a woman has a miscarriage and she mentions it on on the site, you would be surprised how many other other women come out to support that woman. Okay, because of this. Now, this, the same thing goes with dementia. If, if somebody tells his story on the site, it's amazing how many people relate to that 
and and offer their support. And the person telling the story would never get that support from any other place. Mm-hmm. You know, because they they don't feel safe enough to tell the story. But on these on these support groups that we're creating, um, we're giving them the opportunity to to have a safe place to talk and a safe place to be. Which is really important. Really important for people to be able to um, to just not feel alone. You know, to me, that's just one of the biggest um, crux. You know, with the whole the whole um, deal with dementia, it's just that isolation and that that terrible feeling that nobody understands what's going on. And when you when you find that that place, that connection, and for many people, it's multiple places. It's it's more than just one group, um, and it's different types of groups, and that's perfectly fine, you know, Ab- to be able. Absolutely, you you don't know you don't know what it is like until you experience the feeling of being alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't. Nobody can write down on a piece of paper and, and explain this is what alone is. You don't know until you have it. That's that's why I'm saying. It's okay to be it's okay to be members of multiple groups because you're going to get something out of each group what you're looking for. Yeah, you know maybe maybe yeah. maybe one group isn't going to to serve all your needs, but but uh, uh, another group. You know, some days I want to go to McDonald's and some days I want to go to Burger King. You know, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that that one is better than the other. It's just at that certain point in my life. I want I want a Big Mac, mm-hmm. you know that type of thing. That's why that's why support groups have to be open minded enough to to realize that 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 the members are going to look for what they need at that time, and day by day it's it's going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And now the other thing you have been involved with too, Harry, and I'd like to talk about it is you started a, a physical um, group as well, if I'm not mistaken, like a memory cafe? Yes, yes. We um, we we started a local memory cafe. We kind of stole the name memory cafe. And what uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to, we wanted to create an atmosphere that, that, that people with dementia and caregivers can come in a very relaxed, Atmosphere and share stories. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's 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 kind of it, it's kind of like the old theory of of, of, of Cheers, the, the the neighborhood bar. People mm-hmm. went there just to chat, you know. And I wanted to I wanted to set up something that that um, people people can come and just chat. Now we don't have anybody coming in. And uh, a given speeches, it's not it's not structured at all. Whatever you want to talk about, you come in and do. Mm-hmm. And I was so I was so fortunate to have Mary Howard. She she uh, does all the legwork. She does all the work, and uh, she put together a wonderful group. And it, it's doing it's doing very well, and it's doing exactly what what we hope to do. And that's that's have a nice safe place that people can come. And just chat. Bring you coffee, and just chat. Mm-hmm. Where um, where do you guys meet, and how often do you meet? 
we meet in a local church right now, and um, we meet uh, the second and fourth Tuesday or Friday of the month. And we wanted to we wanted to set it up like that just to, just to get our feet wet to get some experience of what this was like. Now, my goal is to set something up like that on a daily basis, a place where maybe not maybe not a senior center type thing, but a place for dementia folks to go and and just have a place to relax, sit down and just talk talk with people that have the same that has the same problems they do. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. I would love to see it. My goal is to have something set up that that is open. It's open almost twenty four seven. That that type of thing. That it's open every day. That that uh, let's say that I'm having a really bad day and I just want to talk to somebody. You mm-hmm. know, and and nobody else understands me but people that understand me. Okay, so I wanted to go. I wanted to have a place that that I could go to on any given day, it's, and somebody's there just so we can sit down and talk. Yeah, that, that, that's one of my goals. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible um, <clears throat> feeling to be part of those groups. Um, it's absolutely um, fascinating because I know for, for our, our memory cafe, you know, we it took us almost a year and a half <clears throat> to get a full group together, and we have between 16 and 20 people, and we meet twice mm-hmm. a month. And then we had a um, party come and um, from the media and sit in and watch us, and they did this, this beautiful article. And from that one article, 16 new people showed up. And so we now have two groups. And it was just amazing to see, you know, the influence that the media could have in a positive light if they choose, you know, to grab it and and be part of it. And it just kind of saddened me that they that they don't always take advantage of that. Now, what, what, one of the things we did at the last meeting we had last Friday night, um, somebody brought in some some old seventy eight. RPM record albums, okay, mm-hmm. the old ones that had one song on it. And you know what? It was like show and tell. So mm-hmm. many stories, so many stories came out of that that we spent two hours there just talking about 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 78 records, you know, mm-hmm. and experiences we had and things like that. And, and that that's kind of what our, our cafe is about. You know, we, we don't try to we don't try to to uh, stomp out the message of awareness because I don't think that's a platform for that. But it, it, was, it was a nice, safe place that people can come and they can relate to these stories. You know, when when we started passing these 78 around, you know, people would touch them and feel them, and, and you could just see it. It brought back the memories of, of days long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see the new um, commercial that was out for? Um, and I hope I don't get it wrong, but it's it's music and memories, and they're using the iPods. People can donate their iPods. <clears throat> oh yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Somebody said uh, Kenny Chesney was kind of um, is is kind of the celebrity spearhead on that. 
but um, what, really neat. One thing one thing we're trying to do is um, uh, Skype is a good is, is a good video chatting program, mm-hmm. but a, a lot of people a lot of people can chat for various reasons, and most of it is because they don't have they don't have the uh, uh, the the camera. Okay, mm-hmm. so in in our group. We have we have something that if you have an extra if you have an extra uh, uh, web camera that you want to donate and, and donate to somebody, we do that. So mm-hmm. you can pass it around and, and somebody can. So now somebody is in in contact. You know somebody that that may not ever have the opportunity. They have a computer, but they never have the opportunity to talk to somebody. So, so now we can. We can set them up with a uh, with a camera. We can teach them how to use Skype, and now they can talk to the daughter that lives across the states. Oh, you know, they can be in, they can be. Not only do they have to be in touch with us, but but it opens up their family that they can and their friends that they can be in touch with, and these are things they never knew existed. Yep, and they're not that expensive. I mean, you can get a. You can get a uh, a camera, a little portable one for what twenty twenty five dollars. Oh, um, absolutely! You know, absolutely. And and uh, they were, they were so inexperienced, but and that's why so many members say, "Oh my goodness, I have I have a couple of them laying around here someplace. If you want them, you can have them to donate them." But you know, it's something that that uh, somebody with dementia don't think about. Mm-hmm. And now they they need help setting it up and everything else, but but once we set them up and they get going on it, it's like we open up a whole new world for them, and that yeah. is such a wonderful feeling. Well, and some people have it, you know, the camera built in if they've got a laptop, but they don't even know it's there because they've never used right. it. Right, you right. Know, there's, and- there's, there's so many people that I talk to that uh, they have a laptop and. And I know the laptop, and I know it has a building camera, but they never realized that they could do anything like that. And, of course, the first thing they 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 get concerned about is, what's it going to cost me? You know, am I going to have to pay a long distance? Now, if I talk to you for 20 minutes, am I going to get a, a $100 phone bill? No, mm-hmm. you're not. It, it's it's free. I mean, that's, that's how technology is going. Yep. Yep. Oh, definitely. It's, and it's... Uh... It's just so fun, and it's it's really quite easy, um, especially using um, you know Skype and um, things. And just and I ha- have you done the Google Hangout? I have not done a Google Hangout yet, but that's on my list to learn how to do. You know, it, it it's interesting too because most uh, most people think that uh, people living with dementia can can't do this kind of stuff, and 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 so many people say, oh, Dad could never do that. But you know what? Dad can do it, and mm-hmm. Dad does do it. You know, once we sit down, and they have no idea that that hey, Dad really enjoys this. Now, I mean, like I said, it just it it just opens up a new a new world for everybody. Mhm. Yep, that it does. That it does. Now, Harry, I you get have... excited about this. <laughs> Well, no, that's that's a good that's a good thing though. You have written um, a couple of, of of powerful little stories on your Forget Me Nots um, page, and I'm wondering if there um, might be one or two that you'd like to share with people in terms of insights. One um, 
Oh, well, you've just had several of them from different tips and things that you've written lately or maybe something, maybe you even posted something today that I'm not even aware about. Um, but is there um, maybe some tips um, that you think might help somebody living with dementia or for those caring for somebody with dementia that you'd like to share? Sure. I, I just I just posted something today, and it's it's a subject that, that nobody wants to talk about, nobody wants to hear about it. And that's end of life, mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's it's a topic that has to be talked about, and I I try to explain that that you have to have that conversation, it's a must, and um, we got into uh, uh, a discussion about hospice, and and how at the end of life that that uh, you know everybody everybody says well hospice means death, but you no know, it doesn't, you know. Hospice can help you in so many ways that it, you know give them the opportunity to help you, and mm-hmm. uh, that that's one of the that's one of the, the the story I wrote today is it's concerning that and the and the end of life you know like uh, the the last paragraph I mentioned that that uh, when my time comes that you know don't feel sorry or don't feel sad that. Um, I want you to have a celebration of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, now that everybody grieves, but but if you if if you if you miss somebody, you're going to be sad. Okay, I don't want you to be sad. If mm-hmm. you if you talk about the celebration of life, you're happy because you remember the good times. That's that's what I want. I want you to remember the good things. I I don't want you to I I don't want you to be sad. You have to you have to be happy. Mhm. Definitely. Well, Harry, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's exciting to hear what you're doing with uh, Forget Me Not, and I I thank you from the bottom of my heart of being part of Dementia Chats. Um, you're just such a a powerful, kind voice, <clears throat> and making a real difference in the world. So, thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our our next uh, guest here. But um, before I do that, again, to reach Harry, you can go to Facebook and you can put in Forget Me Not and ask to join the group, or you can just type in Harry Urban, um, and that's U-R-B-A-N, and um, become a friend with Harry and go ahead and start your conversation that way. So thanks again for all you're doing. I really do appreciate yeah, it. Thank Harry. you for having me, Lori. It, it, it's so much. It's so much fun talking to you. You have a then, good day. You too. Bye now. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our next guest here, um, which is really um, an exciting, uh, an exciting person that we're that we've got with us. Sharice Sariki, known as Shawnee Baby, is a um, established um, empowering female drummer. And she was born in Washington, D.C., and she was exposed to music at a very young age as her father was one of the founding members of the Delphonics, which was a popular 70s um, R&B group um, whose hits included La La, which means I love you, and Didn't I, um, which, boy, I, I sure remember that group. And her work and tour resume is very impressive. She's worked with Sting and the Pussycat Dolls and Hillary Duff, um, Black Eyed Peas. Um, the list just kind of goes on and on. Uh, she also performed at the presidential inauguration of 
George W. Bush in 2005, and she really has just this wonderful, profound presence. Um, in addition to her success in her musical career, Shani is well known in her professional and personal career to be a woman of unwavering integrity um, with an infectious smile. And if you look at that picture, you can tell that right away, and the kind of beauty that resonates from the inside out. Um, she's happily married to an executive producer, um, Andre Recchi, and they share a passion that um, they both find very compelling in their lives, which is the combination of, excuse me, entertainment and philanthropy. So, uh, Shani, thank you so Hi, much. Hi, good for morning. Us. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I'm, I'm really excited. I hear a lot about drumming, but no one, you know, in my community really knows what does it mean and how do you do it and. And, you know, what are the effects, what are the power of of this type of music? You have um, a company, Drum for Goodness Sakes. Yes. And so why don't you tell us, you know, first how you got interested in drumming in particular, and then we'll kind of go into what is it and how does it work. Okay, perfect. Well, I mean, I attended uh, the Duke Ellington School of the Arts in Washington, D.C. I was actually a voice major at the time. However, I grew up in a family where jazz music was played very often, and I was always fascinated by the music. And at some point in my uh, young studies at the school, I um, developed ulcers on my vocal cords. And so, therefore, I was propelled to um, drums even more so than ever. And um, listening to jazz music, I started practicing drums and auditioned for that department in the school and was accepted. And at that time, drumming was a form of therapy for me, although I didn't realize it then. It took me later in my years, once I um, had established a career, I realized how how powerful drumming was just to me personally when I would reflect on my um, experiences and then I um, I attended an event um, where there were kids, um, you know, for a relative's baby's birthday, and there was a drum circle. And out of that, um, you know, I had already been involved in doing philanthropic work and, you know, music and therapy. And I, out of that experience, I had this idea, why don't I create something where, well, first of all, initially, the thought came from creating an environment where babies and toddlers and children could experience drumming in a non-competitive environment, but just in a fun environment, and how doing um, exercises with music and these percussive-type instruments would help develop them in their cognition skills and their sound and geometric skills with the different instruments. And um, then from there I realized, you know, there there are infants and toddlers, and then on the other extreme there are seniors that also go back to that phase where they need um, constant reminder of exercises that help stimulate them mentally and with their memorization. So um came up with this, you know, when you have an idea, you have to think of a name that kind of would make sense with that, and that's basically how Drum for Goodness Sake came about. And then in doing research, 
you know, through studying music, you take music history and you learn about in different countries how um, drumming was a form of communication and there is a response to drumming. And so, um, you know, when I thought about that and thought about all of the documented, like there are statistical and there are factual documents that there are benefits to drumming. And so I did all that research and I did a few exercises with um, seniors that I knew and particular people with Alzheimer's or just seniors, period. And the feedback that I got when dealing with someone with Alzheimer's, how, however they were in their state, when, when we did this exercise, they were able to come retain information for that short period and however maybe a little bit longer after before going back to the place where in which they go and then with friends who were seniors um they just that didn't have any problems they just thought oh this is so much exercise for my arms and such and so that's how this process started and then i thought in addition to my personal people i thought i would reach out to senior care facilities or rehabilitation um facilities and and you know um introduce them to drum for goodness sake and um so this is how this process has started building and you know it's growing and um it's continuing to build and people are recognizing now there was a question about is this a drum circle mm-hmm. i think that when you bring a group of people in a room together you know people sit in different formations so it's not particularly a drum circle it's just a room full of people with cheers that, you know, are are not necessarily in a circle but just in the room and I'm in the front of the room so that they could see me. So however they would form, it's okay. But usually it's too big of a group to have a circle. And are there different types of drums? Or? Yeah, I there are different different um various types of drums. Now when I think of a circle or a smaller group of people depending on the need um with that particular group. Some people most of the groups that I've dealt with they are in a certain state where they absolutely cannot hit the drum. For example, when you see a circle sometimes you see a drum that's a hand drum. It's a kunga or a bongo-type drum, and therefore people hit those with their hands. Well, a lot of the people that I've dealt with, they're not, they either have arthritis or something with their hands where they absolutely cannot hit a drum in that context. So I therefore do an exercise where I use drumsticks, and each person would have a pair of drumsticks. And I would do a pattern, and then they would repeat the pattern with that drumstick. Or in that particular context, um, some of the people may want to shake a tambourine or shake something that looks like a fruit or a vegetable, but it's a shaker, and it makes the sound because there are some little tiny rocks inside, and um, they shake that. And, you know, for that particular group, that's what we do. Or if if it's just a group of people that are, you know, younger, senior, ages then and they want to hit a drum then i may bring in bongos or different things it just depends on the group okay yeah because i didn't know um in is there any right or wrong way i mean if somebody doesn't follow your pattern is that no again when when this is introduced to the group we talk you know i talk to them about what we're going to do today and i say 
I encourage them to do it at their own pace, and I encourage them that there is no wrong way and everything is right. So it's all about we're promoting having fun in this context. There's no pressure. It's all about exercising and having fun and enjoying the process. So I'm very much aware of the group that I'm dealing with at the time, and I wouldn't exceed what their limitations are because I don't want people to feel pressured. Okay, good, yeah, because I, I, was, I was just wondering that, and I didn't think that that was the way it went, but I thought I'm sure others might be wondering too, so Absolutely. it's good, just to, good to ask the question there. What are some of the benefits that you see for those with dementia who participate in this? Well, I think what I see is um, definitely um, by the end of the session, I see that people are happy. They're excited. They're stimulated, um, you know, because, it's, again, it's a form of exercise, so it releases the dorphins that makes them excited. And I see that they recognize that they can do something that they've never done before. But what's really exciting um, to see is that how, you know, depending on the age and the demographic of the group, I bring in music from the era, and then I see people singing um, songs that are played and playing the rhythm. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's there are different types of people. There are people with Parkinson's or depression. And what I see is that it, it distresses them. Um, you know, it allows them to hear a pattern and then play what they hear. And people really get excited about that. They, they, what I see is that they a feeling of accomplishment, and not that oh I'm getting older and I can't do anything. In in these type of settings, um, they're encouraged and they're rewarded, and so it's great. And this is also something that when I'm at facilities, when people have visitors, they have their children and grandchildren participate in the activity with them, and it's just really exciting, you know. I think that um, after a class, however long it may last, um, you know, they're able to connect better with their loved ones, um, and, you know, they have a sense of framework for however long it lasts. Because when I finish my program, I leave the facility, so I'm not sure how long, you know, their cognition is remaining um, after the class. But I definitely think that their framework you know, is more balanced. Um, their response is um, in a much timely fa- uh, fashion. And um, they're just able to connect more. They're happy and they're excited and, you know, they're more relaxed, which is really important. Very important. Yeah, I, I think it's it's so powerful. I know I've, <clears throat> I've been involved with, you know, some of the, the harp therapy uh-huh. where people can play the reverie harp and, and wow. just, you know how they, you know they can feel the vibration, mm-hmm. you know of the music, and then there's just the joy of of participating and, you know, developing the music that you're hearing and being part of a community that's doing something together, and uh, you know the brain is just kind of a, an amazing amazing um, tool that we yes. have, and and music is so powerful in terms of how it wires us and how it makes yes. us feel. You know, make us laugh or make us cry, mm-hmm. and 
and things. And, and I think it's a, a very underutilized or under maybe under understood, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, tool that we have, you know, right in the in the crux of our hands there. Now, as far as benefits offered to um, people who are giving care for those with dementia, what do you what do you see there? Well, um, in the context in which I've seen, I think that when when the caregiver at the facilities that I frequent, when they participate with their seniors and when they're encouraging their seniors, I think it helps to lighten their load. They either participate, but even when the session is over, I think that the load has been lightened uh, fairly for uh, momentarily for the caregiver because they're dealing with someone who is out of that anxiety mode or that depression mode. It, it increases the energy of the patient. Um, you know, it increases the mental stimulation and it, redu- it reduces the fatigue and 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 offers like you know, because they've had that low resistance playing and they're in a better place. I think it just kind of lightens the load for the caregiver for that time being. And and I would definitely agree. I know for myself when I see my mom with any type of music therapy, Mm -hmm. I mean, it just just softens my heart and puts me at peace and puts a smile on my face seeing her contentment and her joy. Definitely. Um, and I <clears throat> I would really encourage people if they get involved with this to, to videotape it. Definitely. Because I know when when I'm having a bad day, mm-hmm. I go look at these short little clips of my mom. And wow. it just perks me right up because it was, it was just such a precious moment. Right. And, you know, I have them now on YouTube, and, I mean, some of them have over 20,000 hits on them mm-hmm. um, because people see the joy even yes. in her end stages. Mm-hmm. Um, she There's this awakening um, that happens, and, you know, you don't want to lose that if it's in front of you. If you've got the opportunity to document it and save it, um, it's pretty powerful, pretty yes. powerful stuff. Now, I agree. Me, I think it's mm-hmm. important for seniors, you know, we come into this world infants. I think we sort of reflect back to that as we become seniors, and I think that, we should create environments where people are comfortable for as long as they can be, you know, mm-hmm. and cared for. Yep. So. Well, and, um, you know, you had talked about starting out with, with children in terms mm-hmm. of doing this, and, and um, I'm assuming that there are lots of different groups that can benefit. Absolutely. Definitely so, children groups. Um you know, there are children dealing with a lot of different things. Um, and, you know, anyone at any age can benefit from this, from drum, for goodness sake. So we're going to also, um, you know, start putting up videos um, of people who are not in senior care facilities um, on the website and on YouTube because I think it's important for people to see seniors and um, older people in this light exercising, doing physical activity, and doing things that are related to music. Because I think that music is really powerful when you think of concerts, no matter who the artist is, how they touch people all around the world, and how music is just universal. It brings people together. So I think if a person can pull up something on YouTube and do it in their own home, whatever it takes, as long as people 
are contributing goodness to their lives and exercising so that they can go out to, into the world and be better people. Yeah, very, very good point. Very powerful. I, I think people don't understand the connection sometimes mm-hmm. um, and how simple they can be, yeah. and, but yet how powerful that they are. Um, I know that your um, your passion in life is really philanthropy, um, just as much as your your entertainment. So, how are you able to kind of connect and give give back um, through your drumming? Um, well, again, just doing programs like this, and even participating when I'm traveling. I mean, most importantly, I do this particular through drumming, but. Um, I'm able to donate money. You know, I give clothes um, to certain shelters, and I try to do give money to women um, in shelters through the facilities for uh, people in need of food and or clothes. I just think it's important when you have experienced so much and have so much to offer to give to people in need um, because it just kind of balances out the world. So, um, yeah, definitely. You know, and I work, you know, I think working in entertainment is a very, uh, it doesn't have to be, but I think it's more a me type of business. And so I'm always, you know, trying to and doing, and it's just a part of my life where we are giving clothes to people in shelters and making sure during the holiday seasons that we provide funds or contribute to purchasing, like, lots of food that feed people who aren't able to sit with their families or who are living in shelters. So I think philanthropy is a huge part of life, at least from where I sit anyway, <laughs> you know. So. I think that's a, a that's a wonderful thing. And if more people would see beyond themselves, I think right. it could just make such a huge difference in the world. Um, to be able to to share what we have and and to um, you know like I said lift lift others up um, in Absolutely. their time of need is very very important and it's it's just so gratifying too. Um, I think sometimes people forget um, what you get back when you give. Definitely. And that's just uh, it's an amazing, amazing, beautiful gift. Is there anything else that you want to share with us, Shawnee? I, I know your time is very tight, and yeah. I want to respect that as well. Well, I'd just like to thank you for taking this time to, um, you know, interview Drum for Goodness Sake and myself. And, you know, is it okay if I plug the um, website and oh, our Twitter? Oh, definitely. Yep, okay, um, so please keep in touch with us. We have a website. It's www.drumforgoodnesssake.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at DFGSLA, so at DFGSLA. And, you know, Drum for Goodness Sake is all about implementing music and forms of therapy through music and drumming to help stimulate people, to help make people better so that we live in a better world and people are healthier so thank you for this opportunity. Well, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate your time today, and I and I just love the work you're doing. I think it's absolutely um, beautiful. And thank you, Laurie. Very, very much a need out there, and I encourage other people to get involved. If you've got a talent, um, don't let it go to waste. You know, Definitely. there's many people that um, could really utilize your help, and um, 
you know, maybe it's something that you volunteer and mm-hmm. you know, go to a nursing home or an assisted living. Um, you know, and, and sometimes we don't have to be all that talented. It's not about being perfect. No. It's about the engagement, um, yes. you know, with it. And we can always learn new things as well in the process. But it is nice when we have talented people who step up to the plate and um, ensure their goodness. I I can't imagine how proud your, your family has to be. I sure um, hope so. No, I'm sure. My my mother actually um, was in town, and she went with me to a facility. My mom was a nurse, so and obviously I learned all of my philanthropic ways from my family, my mother directly, and then my family, grandparents, and such. And my mother was so happy in assisting me with the seniors as she had senior patients, and she was just so proud. So absolutely, <laughs> she's happy about this. Oh, very fun. Very, very fun. Well, thank you again for your time today, and continue the good work, and um, blessings uh, to you. So Thank, thank you so much. Yep. Well, have a great day. You too. Bye okay. now. Okay, bye-bye. Well, in closing, I um, have to, of course, acknowledge that it's President's Day, so a few of you may not even be working and have the day off. Lucky you. Um, I do want to, again, give a plug for Dementia Chats, which is coming up on uh, the 26th, so next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and that's noon Pacific time. Um, I will be interviewing a group of experts living with dementia, and we typically have a general conversation. And again, uh, that is something, it's a free webinar. You just click into it to join us, but you can add your comments or ask questions via the chat box. We'd love to talk to you. We go for about an hour. And then as far as shows coming up, on the 24th here at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, uh, 5 Mountain Time and 4 Pacific Time, which isn't my normal time, I'm going to be interviewing Kate uh, Swaffer, who is an author of a beautiful poetry book, And we're doing it at that time just because she's over in Australia, and I don't want her up in the middle of the night uh, too bad. Then on the 28th, I'll have uh, uh, Sheila Van Houten on, and um, also I will have um, Steve Poulsen and Dina Dotson, who are part of Dementia Chats, will be on that program. We'll be back to our, our regular morning time slots. So we've got all kinds of great shows coming up March 5th. Sandy um, Helperin is going to be with us, and he is another person living with dementia, and he is one of the um, Alzheimer's Association's uh, champions and is on their advisory um, advisory board. So we've got lots of wonderful programs coming up, and I hope that you're able to share with us in that. If you're out there and you're looking for an Alzheimer's Association and you're not sure where to go, Um, Just go ahead and Google Alzheimer's Disease International. And ADI, if you go to that site, you'll be able to find any of the Alzheimer's associations around the world. It's an association of associations. Plus, there's some great resources on that site for you as well. Um, And then last, if anyone out there is interested in becoming a dementia-friendly community or business and would like to learn more, please just shoot me an email at laurie 
L-O-R-I at alzheimerspeaks.com, or you can contact me through the website. You can always call as well at 651-748-4714. That's 651-748-4714. And remember, it's about progress, not perfection. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye now. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.